Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Just another day here in quarantine. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm not in the same room with you. You can't get me sick anymore. Uh, wait a minute, what? I never yeah. got you sick. Never got you sick once, dude. Maybe. But well, speaking of not being in the same room with each other, that's related to today's topic of risk management. I think we've all been forced to engage a little risk management with social distancing and in some cases family distancing <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> i think people are learning a whole new uh, i think some people realize that they they looked at having to work from home and they're like yes and then they realized that they were trapped inside with their small children you which... know my one of my favorite jokes was was always that i love my kids but i only love them for about two or three hours at a time yeah I, 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 I sometimes fall into that category with you, Matt. <laughs> so now we're at like 15 hours at a time. <laughs> yeah, Every day. No, no doubt there. Well, so. yeah, as we get started here, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, along the lines of today's topic of risk management, obviously, this has been a hot topic lately. There's been a whole lot going on with the economy. It's been up. It's been down. Stock market's been on a wild ride. I think a lot of people are, are kind of wondering what the future holds, when we get to come out of our homes, when we get to do a lot of different stuff. But overall, when it comes to risk management and how small businesses can handle crisis, uh, that's kind of, you know kind of what we want to talk about today, and uh, trying to bring you the do the best job we can of bringing you relevant and useful content, whether it's from the mats or from other people that we bring in. So, Matt, when you think about risk management, I mean, what are your initial thoughts? You know, it's definitely a very broad topic, and you know, we got a few different kinds of risk. I think we're going to talk about here today, but um, you know, probably one of the biggest ones that's that's actually really relevant right now that I think about is just hesitation and, and failure to make action and move quickly. Like the lack of urgency, I think is a huge, <laughs> a huge one right now. Well, either the lack of urgency or sometimes an overreaction with urgency, yeah. you know, and I think that, um, you know, I've talked about this a lot recently, but when it comes to risk management, I mean, risk management isn't just about, expenses or anything like that. It's a process of identifying, assessing, and reducing the harm or damage brought by potential risks. And before they happen, I'll tell you what, we had done no risk management when it came to viral contagion at full scale. That was uh, without a doubt what consumed my my last several days of my last trip. I mean, I, I, I just being open and honest. I mean, we had never created a viral contagion risk management plan. I'm assuming that you hadn't either. Nope. And now, and now we're thinking about, well, what happens when we're cleared to all go back to work? We have to worry about somebody still bringing it in and getting the whole office sick and putting our whole company out of business because every single person's at home laid up in bed for 10 days. They'll all survive probably, but you know, 
So now we're thinking about, well, even when we do go back to work, do we do half the company or something? Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's, you know, my, and, and I, off air, I shared with you so much of the stuff that we did, but I just couldn't believe like how many, you know, it, it went from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And it comes all the way down to like, you know, in that, in, in this particular case, it was like you said, managing the risk for everyone else. Like what happens if someone shows up to work and they just, they decided to come in anyway. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, how do you handle that? What do you do? What do you do if someone states or says that they they're showing symptoms of COVID-19 and, you know, it's just, it's, it's just a whole lot of stuff to, to go through. Well, now. I've, and I've got employees that are say 25 years old that think they're invincible and in all this stuff. Right. But then I've got other employees that are say 60 and they're, you know, higher risk. Right. So yeah. the 25 year old millennial comes in and doesn't give a shit and, you know, licks his fingers and touches the coffee pot and does all the different things. Right. And then the 60 year old comes in and yeah, I mean, that's Who's the looking the coffee first wait, stop. Who's looking the coffee pot? Cause I drink out of that thing sometimes too. We make some pretty good coffee. I mean, you um, know, not really, but it's, <laughs> it, it's better when we use thou mayest coffee. Yes. That yes. Until my, until my grinder broke. Oh no! It was so, so the beans were so robust. Apparently, that do you need me it, to come over and do some grinding for you? No, absolutely not. That's <laughs> as far as risk management goes. That that sounds like something I'm I'm not willing to risk. But you know, you said, so risks can come from a lot of different places. It can be uh, global, like a financial crisis or a pandemic, or you could even have accidents at work, natural calamity, disease outbreak, all different kinds of stuff. But, you know, by having the risk management plan, and this is different than crisis, you know, like a crisis management plan is like, okay, risk management led me to need to have this following plan. But overall, the risk management plans in businesses or any organization, they're, they're set up to save you money. Uh, retain the trust and sustain, you know, future operations to try to keep you around. And then also, you know, one of the things I talked about a lot in my Corona Diary series was like, you know, the thing that was challenging for me was how quickly so much of it can come. And like that whole situation with COVID-19 changed so fast. It's like, I was literally, I had literally prepared a whole set of of information and policy and then gave a speech and an hour later I had to completely redo the whole thing because this just everything was changing that quickly. So it really put a lot of perspective uh for me as as far as like I, I don't know like how overwhelming that stuff can be. And I have a whole new outlook on risk management and and just this kind of stuff because I saw how well honestly how shitty it is to try to do it in a real in a real time basis. So like let's share some examples. Like what are some at, at Stackify, what are some things that would just be common or even specific risk management things that you guys consider or have talked about over the years? Well, you know, since we're a software as a service business, you know, the, the most important things we have to think about are, are the hosting of our software, right? And the, the fact that it works and it performs well and that our customers can actually use our product. That's like priority number one for us at all times. Okay. So some of the things at full scale are obviously are, well, and it's not that, the, that Stackify isn't people-based, 
but at, you know, for the, at full scale, our business is, is service providers. So if the people get sick, if all that stuff happens and, you know, then another thing too, is like, you know, the modern workplace and including the, the, the stackify and full scale office has people really close to each other. And that's going to be, that's like a different, all of a sudden has a different risk management profile than it did a month ago yeah. and, or a couple months ago. And that's some of the things that, you know, we were like, for example, we're moving into a second floor of a building where we're at. And one of the hot topics was, do we still want to continue forward with this construction? Uh, Cause we weren't sure about it, whether our growth trajectory would be. And I decided to move forward with it anyway, for a couple different reasons. One, in the event that the business didn't grow, it would be easier to repurpose the asset into something useful, meaning lease it out if it was actually finished and ready. And then the main thing was, is if we had to embrace a different level of social distancing for a while, it would be better to have twice as much space mm. with half the number of people. Yeah. 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 You know, think about and, that. Yep. Yeah. And it, well, it was a tough decision though, because you're sitting there, you have this level of uncertainty. You don't know if your clients are going to quit, if they're going to be able to pay, you know, if people are going to be sick, but yeah, and you've been in the office and you know that where we're at right now, I mean, we're running, it's, it's kind of tight. We don't have a whole lot of extra room in there, but that extra space suddenly felt like a pretty good idea, especially considering the fact that they will be able to work on it, despite the fact that our main office isn't open. Are they still going to be able to do yoga up there too? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you wondering what that joke was, you know, we've had an extra floor of a skyscraper for months now and we've been dragging our feet on getting it open. And part of that was not just risk management, but cash flow management. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, like, and, and our, a couple of employees had asked about why we hadn't moved up there. I said, well, the moment we do, we have two internet bills, we have two light bills, you have yeah. a whole bunch of different stuff. So, you know, as far as creating risk management tactics, I mean, this isn't this doesn't have to be costly and time consuming. I mean, there's a few there's a few things that you should look at. I mean, and basically start with like, what are the policies and processes that outline what your staff needs to do? And I'll give you an example at full scale. It was like we had to have we had no protocol about how do you report that you have symptoms that you have possibly exposed others to symptoms or maybe people that you live with have symptoms. So we did create a policy that had, cause one of the things that we didn't want, so we use Slack and every, everybody that works in our company has a Slack account. And there's a, when you go into Slack, the, everyone by default has a quote general channel. And I didn't want people, I didn't want that to become the gossip chamber. And there's so much information coming from so many different places. And it's it just not really, a, it's not a very effective or great thing to do to just have people randomly posting God knows what kind of information in there. So I think the first thing you can always start with is like a simple order of operations to like what happens. And Matt, I would imagine you guys do some of that with like server management and stuff like that. Am I correct? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of our stuff is policy and training around our servers and our hosting of our product right because right. at the end of the day that's that's super critical um you know i think one of the other really timely conversations right now about risk management is cash cash yeah. flow finances yep. like i think that's like the number one topic of risk right now well i think we'll, we'll get into 
Yeah, we'll get it. Well, we'll get into that here in a minute. But, you know, I mean, you're talking about the outline for what the staff would need to do. You've also got things like cooperation and commitment. Like how do they do if you have a bigger company or wherever and you have different departments, like how do you communicate with each other? You know, we have an HR department. We have a development department. We have all different kinds of stuff. And then the thing that was challenging for us at full scale is is the way we're set up is we have, you know, 40 or so different clients that are uh, employing yes. a full-time team. So how do we work well within their own policies? So, you know, some yeah, of the other you've got a lot more issues with communication. You've yeah. got a lot, a oh, lot yeah. of people to communicate, you know, on, on Stackify, we definitely have customers to communicate with, but it's more, it's not as scheduled or ongoing. It's more ad hoc of like they have a support ticket or whatever, and they reach out sure. to us. And you know, sales obviously is reaching out to people, but yeah, on full scale, so much of um, what the company does revolves around communication. So communication is critical. And th and that's why it's important that you set up roles and responsibility of your staff members. You know, like who's gonna who's in charge of doing this or that, and those are some of the things we did at full scale. Like we wanted specific types of information coming back to the employees in general, coming from like myself as the CEO or someone like that in specific cases. And then there's some you know certain things that HR, you know, they're seeing a rapidly changing uh, um, you know medicine and and uh, hospital and clinics and things like that. And you know you have different things that are closed and your healthcare works here and it works better here and stuff like that. And these are all tools and resources that can help you, you know, like that you need to consider when it comes to facilitating a crisis plan, you know, not to mention the ongoing improvement of the plan itself. Like if you create a plan four years ago or even 10 years ago and you haven't done anything to update it or any thing to change it or keep up with it. It's good that you've created something and you, you're going to have an easier time if you have to update it, but keeping like setting a little bit of time out, even if it's like once a year, once or twice a year, just review it, see if you need to make any updates. So I mean, well, Matt, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I have a feeling now we're going to have to change a lot of HR policies here in a couple of weeks when our employees start going back to work and, you know, our guest Kyle, from uh, has the life balance shots that was on was talking about this. Like every time their employees come in, they have to fill out a little questionnaire, take their temperature, all that stuff. Right. And we may all have to do that. And maybe that's the way some of us start going back to work of, you know, every day it's like, do you have a temperature? Do you know somebody who's sick? Somebody in your family's sick, blah, blah, blah. And we all got to go find thermometers and have thermometers at our office. And then how do we sanitize the thermometers after every employee uses it? I don't even know. You don't, if you have the laser, you don't need to do it. You, yeah. You're just going to stand by the front door <laughs> and tap foreheads, man. Yeah. I, that's, I think be, that's the world we're going to live in pretty soon. It might be for a little bit, but that's risk management. So as a business, yeah. you have to you have to give some consideration to that because you have a level of liability if you're not doing certain things and, and undergoing some actual responsibility for the way you run your business, deliver products or something like that, like well, you can it, set yourself up for a whole nother world of hurt. Well, and it's true because if you watch the news and they talk about outbreaks of coronavirus right now, most of them come from events. They come from like mm -hmm. a bunch of people went to church or they went to this meeting or they went to whatever. And um, next thing you know, like one person gives it to like 50 and that's going to be all of our offices now, right? Yeah. And that's why we're all working from home. And so we're we're going to have to do a better job of, of cleaning and sanitizing things and all this stuff. It's going to be a huge change. Uh, 
Well, I think we can, you know, as, as, as we move on here down our set list today, we can talk about why risk management's important. And, you know, there's a few reasons, you know, that a, a risk management plan allows your organization to define objectives and prepare even before threats happen. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've kind of, you and I have kind of poked fun in the past at the like overly complex business plan, but this is the kind of stuff that an HR and an operations department or people at your business should be helping you prepare. And by the way, a lot of this stuff you can find online, you know, you can find, you can find pre-made copies and templates and you can go through and kind of redline in and out the things that matter. You can chop a lot of your preparation time out by looking at some just, there are just some general stuff. I mean, also giving your organization the ability to control risks and stay positive about the business decisions. Well, and, and, if you think about the risks for a second, the risks depend a lot based on the type of, of business you have. You know, if you're a farmer, your risk is, you know, drought, <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. Like, you, yeah. you know, every, you know, if you're a, a, a ticket broker, you know, if the Chiefs don't make it to the playoffs, you're not going to make as much money. So that's your risk, right? Like there's every type of business has different risks like that they have to kind of plan for is my point. I mean, you're, you're just trying to protect your company from unexpected events that harm the company, the employees, the customers, or your, your, your environment, or maybe your reputation. I mean, that, that's a big thing now. And that's something that I think is going to, you know, the, right now, I think the, you know, the world went through a, a little bit of shock. And then on, and that now there's, people are kind of wrapping their arms around it. And I'm feeling a lot more positive sentiment about life. But that's going to lead to a different level of impatience. I'm already starting to see people like you told me you were or earlier, you're, you were exhausted just from a lot of different stuff going on and that you feel like your new role as you're, you're uh, running a little house on the prairie style school schoolhouse soon, aren't you? Starting next week. Yeah. I'm an elementary school teacher now, evidently. We, can we live stream that or do something that... I'm going to make them wear uniforms and I'm going to walk around with a ruler and like slap my hand all day. Smack them. Yeah. I, I don't think you're supposed to talk about that on the air. Oh shit. That might be taboo risk management. My risk, our risk <laughs> management plan would say that that's probably not the good idea. You know, really in the end, the, the another thing to strength, you know, is, is strengthening your ability to have stability, the ability to have stability in your business operations, uh, you know, and, and also reducing, I mentioned the risk of litigation. I mean, and, and that's something to consider, you know, opening your office too early, not having some of these things in place. And then a bunch of people get sick. Someone goes home, gives it to grandma, grandma dies. A lot of shitty feelings come out of that anyway. Yeah. So, well, what, one of the other things that we have to do now as a software company in this time from a risk perspective is think about churn. Oh yeah. And think about, do we release new features to our clients? Do we not release new features? Is there fear of that causing more problems? Like now all of a sudden we have to think about our, our product roadmap and what features we do. Pricing. We just, yeah. Pricing, changing pricing. Like all of a sudden we, we have like some risk, some conversations around risk just around like, you know, system stability, churn, all those sort of things. Like it, it has to, it changes your perspective all of a sudden. You become much well, more you, risk adverse. 
Yeah, so I've got I've got outlined six different types of, of just common small business risk, and you're you're outlined strategic risk. Yeah, you know, like what what what's the risk and specific strategies, you know, and sometimes you know that in, in an ever changing market, you know, new technology can shake up current tech. Um, some people some people's stuff and businesses may have been rendered obsolete. <laughs> Very quickly. Um, like, I mean, I think from a strategic risk standpoint, like retail, I think retail, which was already in a massive state of change is going to undergo a completely next step of evolution because well, here's a good example of that. My mom doesn't do e-commerce, right? She's 67 years old, whatever. She doesn't How buy does stuff she survive? Online. She's going to have to figure it out now. Yeah. Now, once she finally figures out what every other person has already figured out that's younger than her. She might not go back. Right. 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 Yep. That's the point. Yep. Like all of a sudden it's going to change people's behaviors that maybe didn't have to change. Yep. Well, people are going to pick different methods of doing things. And, you know, like I said, these are all strategic risks. And, you know, I'll give you an example as uh, I think a great example is Best Buy, who has been, uh, you know, over 20 years has been up. They've been down. They've been all over the place. They have a huge footprint. I mean, the Best Buy store is huge. And now, and, you know, this week, Joel Goldberg was on the show talking about going to Best Buy because he needed a light, just like a little LED light to help his live stream camera. And out, out the door comes someone with gloves on and, you know, waiting. He basically pre-ordered. Well, here's the thing is if that's the way that that might actually be a good thing for Best Buy, but it doesn't take it doesn't take away the fact that they suddenly that their strategy is revolved around having these big ass stores, which over the last you know four or five years, people have have joked that Best Buy has become the in-person showroom for Amazon. Yeah. You know, like they go yeah. there and they look at it and they find it and buy it somewhere cheaper online. But, you know, with with something like Amazon, with Amazon being overloaded and taking longer to deliver stuff, all of a sudden, it, A, you might be happy to get out of your house for a drive. And if all you have to do is pull up and they bring it out to you, I mean, I, that would make me think a little different about it. Would you? Yeah, but I think you're, I think it's going to cut both ways, right? You're, yeah. you're going to have people that maybe would have went to Best Buy before, but now they're not going to, they're going to be like, oh, I'll just order on Amazon and forget it. You know, I, I think you're going to see it. You're going to see it both ways. Yeah. Well, so the next category is just going to be general economic risks. And I mean, that's something that's huge right now. You have the, just the general state of the economy. And, you know, the thing is, is if people start losing jobs and they're uncertain, I've said in the past, when it comes to sales, a confused mind almost always says no. Well, that's the same way with all kinds of buying trends. So, you know, economic risks overall aren't necessarily things that you well, not, I don't want to say not necessarily, they aren't things that you can control in your business, but you have to be prepared. And that's, that's the sticky thing. Cause I'm sure there was a lot of businesses that were, well, we've talked to some people that have had funding rounds that didn't happen. Um, that I, and then look at, I mean, from an economic standpoint, I mean, restaurants in general, weren't uh weren't planning on all of a sudden having no revenue you know so a lot of different things i mean they well fa facebook finally made my fundraiser live by the way i think you saw nice that. yeah you want to tell everybody more about the fundraiser they can join in well sure yeah i actually just 
I was sitting around, I was thinking, you know, what, what are some local businesses or, or groups that are really affected by all this? Now, my sister and my brother-in-law are both doctors and they're affected. They're, they're basically doctors here in Kansas city and medical providers are preparing for the fact that like of, of the wave of, of stuff that's headed this direction. And with that, they don't have enough masks. They don't have enough stuff like that. So they were already working on doing some of that. And I started thinking, what's a couple ways that our local community could benefit? So I, I just set up a fundraiser on Facebook that will use the money from it to uh, buy food from local restaurants or food businesses, not not only restaurants, and ha- that are willing to deliver or drop that off at anywhere that provides medical care. You know, that could be a shelter, it could be a hospital, it could be a number of things. And uh, I was, I, I mean, how cool was it? We raised 1500 bucks in under 24 hours. Yeah, it's super awesome. Super, super yeah, cool. Yeah, and it, it was, you know, and then and then you even sent me a, a note. You're like, who's fulfilling all this? You know, like, yeah. I mean, and I don't, I don't think it's going to be hard at all because it's just a couple of phone calls here and there. And I'm, you know, and, and now that's a little thing. The fundraisers open through April 3rd. You can, I'll put, I'll tell you what, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. So if you're listening and you want to make a donation of any kind, uh, that'd be appreciated. And yeah, you got to had an out outpouring of support. I was surprised at how many people were donating a hundred, 250 bucks, stuff like that. We had some people with 20 bucks, $13, 33. I mean, it all, it all makes a difference, but yeah, in that case, I figured that that would help the local. I mean, if we can help the medical, if it's hard to have a strong economy when your medical system is completely in turmoil, because <laughs> then that's something that we're going to go through. So, you know, the next category is, and by the way, Matt, thanks. I saw you made a donation. Appreciate yeah, absolutely. That. Well, yeah. so the, you know, about the economy thing, I think some people need to understand is their business a winner or a loser if the economy goes up or down, right? So right. if you know the economy is going down, people that are more affected by consumer discretionary spending are probably going to hurt. But then you have some some companies like I've always heard that like uh, anything in the pet business is usually kind of unaffected because people will always spend money on their pets, right? Like I think there's certain industries that are kind of winners and losers when the economy kind of goes up or goes down, and your business needs to kind of know which way you're affected, and you kind of kind of see that coming. Well, in the past, I've referred to haircuts as being a recession-proof thing. Yeah, not. Yeah, I got an email from Sport Clips today saying, sorry, your location's been closed. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, but but haircuts up until now was really kind of a crown jewel example of recession proof because people you may maybe not with as much regularity, but people still get haircuts. You talk about people still feed pets, but then again, maybe they don't buy as many pet toys. Maybe they do. I don't know, man. I think that that this is a this is a new one and not everyone's seen well, this before. We do have an interesting problem now because we're all going to need haircuts here in a week or two and there's a whole bunch of ladies that need to get their nails done. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> What's going to happen here? Your hair's my, looking a little your hair's looking a little rough this morning, Matt. My wife got her nails done for uh our wedding. And now she's like, how do I get these damn fake nails off? <laughs> she, Ooh, you know, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. What, what do we do? <laughs> Ri- yeah, well, if you had a risk management plan for that. Yeah. You, you know, you know, next, next down the list is just general financial risks. And that's the kind of stuff that was really hard to predict this time is sometimes the bullshit comes downstream really fast. 
And, you know, that's, that's what happened in this case. And there, you know, like you said, there's all of a sudden a whole lot of, of business owners that are stuck in a situation of, do I put more of my money in? Do I want to try to get loans? Like we were even talking about that. Like a lot of people aren't even aware of some of the disaster relief loans. Now those things have been open for a little bit. So if, if you haven't applied yet, you need to get on it because people are going to get to the bottom of that well. And then, you know, assuming that, you know, we're recording this on Friday, March 27th, you know, I, I hate time stamping these things, but I think it's important in these times. And we're still waiting for a couple more signatures on this uh, stimulus relief bill, which will then potentially open up a whole lot of SBA lending, which honestly, in some cases might turn lemons into lemonade for you. All right. So next on down the list, let's talk about location risks. And I think these are these are the most interesting. Um, you know, there's some evidence that COVID-19 fears the warm weather. Um, and we, we may see. And, you know, so that's like an example. Of, and we'll use the Philippines. So our office in Cebu, most people don't know this. It's 74 to 94 degrees there every day of the year. There's like... Well, you, yeah, I think you've been like 10 times. <laughs> I want to go back. Yeah. D- dude, well, it's funny because, you know, as we were leaving, you know, everyone in the U.S. when I was over there and pseudo stuck, they were like, oh, I hope you're safe. I hope you're okay. I told a couple of people, I said, shit, I might be safer here. Yeah, for sure. You know, just because of the warm weather. But then everywhere we went, like I, they were zap, they zap your forehead on the way in. There was people like, okay, there was at our office building. They take your temperature at the front door and then they have these big spray bottles of alcohol and they want you to wipe your hands down with them. They like to hold, you hold your hands out and they spray both of them with a generous helping of disinfectant. And those are some things I haven't seen around. But in, in regards to location risk, you know, certain areas are more are just traditionally and historically more prone to things like storms, floods, tornadoes, earthquakes. You know, these are all things that and, and, and this is where uh, if your risk management doesn't include being properly insured. Yep. So that was one of the things we looked at at full scale because we had a business insurance policy and we weren't sure if it would cover viral contagion. And it didn't. And it didn't. It covered about everything else. But they literally yeah. had a whole separate policy for viral contagion. And you're like, wow. Well, and so, a, a good so example. They, they've thought it out. Yeah. I mean, a good example of this is like Disney World in Orlando. I was there once when there was a hurricane. Wow. They had all that shit figured out. They had a whole plan. If there was a hurricane, what, what was going to happen? And what, what, they they, thought, what, what did that include? Uh, well, it was crazy because everybody couldn't get flights in and out. And so people were trying to extend their hotel stays or leave early and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, they basically locked the locked the parks down and locked everything down and had to, yeah, I mean, but they had a plan, right? They had to have a plan because it's inevitable that there would be a hurricane come through there. Now, as a small business, you know, we may not think through some of those things, but we have to understand what some of them are. Well, the next, the next thing on my list is security risks. So that was a location and a, and a security risk because clearly you can't have people, you know, up at the top of a giant Ferris wheel during a hurricane. Yeah. I, I mean, that's obviously a, a security risk that, I mean, that's a no brainer, but, you know, but that's the problem is, and like right now, I think a lot of business owners are challenged with the fact they're like, they're like, fuck, 
if I close my doors, I've got no revenue. I've got employees that are basically laid off, but then this, you know, there's a whole nother level of security. I think that the traditional risk management is, is protecting for, you know, different types of things. You look at like data and data breaches, spamming, payment fraud, identity theft, you know, just like you have even just like internal theft, time clock theft, physical security, whole whole bunch of stuff. And then, you know, there's like a whole nother level. All right. So then the, the last category we have, and I mentioned this earlier, um, was reputation risk. Yeah. And I, I personally think that this is just as, as serious as a category as the five that we just mentioned, because, you know, if your reputation goes out the window, that's a hard objection to overcome. You know, if so, if you're talking to a buyer and they're like, well, I've talked to like six other people that say you suck, that doesn't go well. Um, and you know, that's, that's going to be a challenging thing for a lot of people, because I think a lot of, I think there's, imagine all the businesses right now, that literally can't give refunds because they don't have the cash on hand for some, for, for one reason or another. Yep. And you know, like how that occurred, you know I mean? And there's, and there's some really well-known, I mean, I don't, I think businesses in general just aren't necessarily set up or equipped to give three months worth of future refunds for other bookings and stuff like that. I mean, when you think about reputation risk, Matt, what do you think about? Well, you think of big brands that make big mistakes and stuff like that. Obviously, like the entire country of China doesn't have the best reputation right now um, nope. in the rest of the world. But some of the positives from this to think about for some of our customers is the people that are working with their customers in this situation. So, for example, we reached out to one of our vendors and said, hey, you know, based on this economy and whatever, is there anything you can do for us on price? And they're like, absolutely, we'll give you 20% off you know what, their reputation just went up for me. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I think, you know, this is an opportunity actually to, to improve your reputation, reputation with some of your customers, of uh, the way you handle this event. And can you do more for your customers? Give them, uh, we're reaching out to all of our customers at Stackify and offering them free training. Cause you know, we, we, we don't want to lose customers, right? We want to reduce churn. So we're like, well, what's one of the ways we can do that? Let's call every one of them and offer them free training. You know, what, what, what can we do to, um, and, and those all would boost our reputation, right? Like our customers would love that. Like, oh, wow, that's cool. They're offering us free training. So, you know, now might be a time actually to improve your reputation based on how you handle the, the current situation. Totally agree. And some of those things too, and I talked about that a little bit during my uh, uh, Corona Diaries was, you know, when you talk about, I think that the best approach when dealing with clients and dealing with vendors is to just be open and honest. Like everyone has some pretty similar issues right now. You know, if you want to protect the longevity of what you're doing and all of that, you have to be, you have to be, you have to put yourself in a position where people are still want to do business with you when this clears and this will clear. So, you know, I mean, let, let's let's kind of wrap this up by talking about some ways that small businesses can prepare. I mean, I, you know, we we just preparing for crisis, and this is a little different than risk management and crisis management are actually different categories. But I think you got to start by considering the possible threats that your business is likely to run into. You know, and that's a, and you know, good old business school one hundred and one is is the the good old fashioned SWOT S W O T strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. 
draw a few lines down a paper and start listing, you know, what are the strengths your business has? What are the weaknesses? What are the opportunities and what are the possible threats? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, you know, and these are going to vary. That's going to change depending on the size, the scope, products or services that you sell and the customers you transaction with, do transactions with. I mean, it, it's just a simple thing. Identify the hazards inside, outside of the business and evaluate, you know, how those risks can, can impact everything that you do. And it's completely um, different from one business to another. No two are yeah. the same. I don't think anybody looks back at creating a comprehensive plan when it comes to risk and threat management when something comes up and then you're actually, because here's the thing, if, if the threat does surface and they always, and Murphy's law dictates that it'll always happen at the worst time, um, then you're going to have to stop everything else you're doing, which there's a whole lot of other important shit to deal with too, to create some of the stuff. So I think the challenging part with that is, you know, how do you test the effectiveness? It's like playing war games. Yeah. I'm, yeah, that that's hard because you, you know, if you're a farmer and your risk is a drought, what, you know, how do you prepare for that? And then pretend there's a drought and react to it. Like, so, you know, some of that stuff is just kind of impossible to actually test the policy and procedure on. Well, so in the case of farmers, they might dig irrigation ditches and yeah. do it ahead of time and just yep. different stuff, you know, cause like the thing is, is, is if it comes down to that moment now, you know, you can't even get the water to the crops or do anything like that. It's a whole different story. So, you know, the, the reduction of, of risk factors is, is really big. And, you know, like these are some of the things in, uh, it, that I had to deal with when I was in Cebu, cause we have an office that is it, that is open 24 hours a day and you get in through biometric fingerprint scanning, which meant that we had, you know, we can lock the building down but, you know, and we did end up doing that. And now we're, we would have been forced to anyway. So we're about 10 days ahead of that policy, but some places like, it, all right. So waffle house, you know, good old waffle house where you see on the, the truck stops, they're open every day, all year. Waffle house doesn't always have even have a lock on the door. Ah, yeah. Den Denny's, <laughs> Den Denny's went through this. So Denny's, uh, this was probably like 15 or 20 years ago at this point. This is a, a fascinating story. So there's a shitload of Denny's restaurants uh -huh. and they were open all the time. So they had like, if you think about just the little cost of opening, maintaining, or doing anything, if you have a lock on your front door, that costs money. And then if you have to constantly rekey it, Every time your management or different people change, that costs money. So Denny's didn't have locks on their doors. And when they decided to be closed on Christmas, so Christmas was the day uh, and they went through and like, it was weird. Cause you talk about these strange, like economies of scale or whatever, weird. think about how much it would cost to come and and put locks on and key and do all of that. Cause for all the Denny's and all their entrances. And like, that was a major undertaking. Like it took a lot of coordination. And then also like, it's not just like they wanted one person to have the key. It was also like, you know, Hey, we got to have them here. We got to have them there. And, you know, so it, just different kinds of things. So, you know, investing in things that are scalable and that you can, you know, in our case, we use these biometric scanners at the full scale office and they allow us to, if we wanted to, we can click a button and turn all of them off. Yeah. 
Yep. So part of our like management if it, strategy or, or our risk management was if someone reported that they had COVID-19, was to first disable their biometric scanning. So to because you don't know how people are going to react when if they find if they think something crazy has happened in their personal life. So we wanted to first limit their ability to come and expose everyone else. But then because of the records and the logs of those compared with the time clock, we could, if we wanted to, the next step after that being reported first was to turn it off. The second was to see when and where they had been, like what was the last time they'd been at the office? If right. they hadn't been there in 14 days, then that wasn't a high, that wasn't a, 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 it was a different path that we went and took. But if they had been there two days earlier and they were there with a hundred different people, that was a whole level of responsibility and, and like, cause then all of a sudden, I, I mean, we had to create every single step of it. I'm not going to lie. It was not the, the, not the most favorite thing I've ever done. So yeah. All Crazy right. time. So ne well, next in that is, you know, if you do end up in a state of crisis, you just got to start focusing on recovery. Um, you know, this, the looking in the rear view mirror right now, ain't going to do you a whole lot of good. And you gotta, I mean, some of it you want to pick up maybe what you haven't done well, but then you need to get, you need to be, become forward thinking and coordinate with the people at your work and just like, I mean, just deal with general mitigation or risk. And I think business efficiency is a big thing right now. I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot of changes. Um, much like I mentioned, retail being a challenge. I think some people are going to come out of this and go, man, do we need as big of an office footprint? I think there's a lot of companies that are going to embrace remote working. Yeah. I think yeah. that's going to change dramatically. Yeah. And I think that especially when, you know, you look at, you know, COVID-19, maybe not having a vaccine for a while. And I don't know, man, I think that you're going to see a lot of changes with it. I'm, I'm, I'm finding credible and interesting articles and, and major like trust, like the wall street journal that are beginning, they're tracking some stuff down. They're saying, man, there might already be millions and millions of people with this in the U.S. I think so. Which is going to change the overall statistics of how maybe it isn't as deadly as the flu. Who knows? But, you know, the thing is, is, is that genie's out of the bottle at this point and trying to put it back in is a completely different challenge because you got, you talk about reputation management. Well, you got to know if you're going to open the doors back up, but you know about what you're doing. Matt, do you have any closing remarks in today's today's hearing about risk management? Yeah, I have a really important one. So as founders and entrepreneurs, we're all risk takers. And to some sense, we take too much risk. And, you know, I've had employees tell me before that I have like balls of steel because I nothing scares me. And the thing I, th I think there's a couple of key points there we have to think about is our employees are extremely risk adverse. They don't take the same risk that we do. And so we have to figure out how to translate that to our employees and guide them. So, I mean, a lot of our employees are scared to death right now of, say, coronavirus, how it impacts them personally, all that stuff. And, and maybe a lot of us entrepreneurs are less worried about it. Like, we're just very risk adverse people. Um, but we have to figure out how to relate to our employees on some of these things. And that comes with all, all forms of risk management and risk planning. Um, and the other thing th that I think works against us is since we're so risk adverse, we may not do this risk planning is part of my point yeah. too. Yeah. And so we, we have to stop and actually do it 
because we, you know, we're, we're, we're the people that are willing to bet the farm and the glass is always half full and all that sort of stuff. Right. But we do have to stop and think about these risks, um, is my point. And then also understanding that our employees don't look at this stuff the same way we do. We deal with risk differently than they do. And I, I think those are my two key points for today. Well, and I'm going to kind of parlay off of what you just said, because it's not as even as much as the risk being seen differently. It's just that it's a di existing in different worlds, because, you know, as the founder of a business or the owner of a business, if that business goes away, that's a completely different reality for you than it is for an employee who is invariably just going to go work somewhere else. Right. So that level of and that's where you have to be careful when it comes to risk management, because you know, what you're, what you're willing to risk, much like Matt said, is going to be different. It's going to be viewed differently. It's going to be received differently and it's going to be executed differently. So I, you know, you got, this is a time to exercise a lot of empathy. And at the same time, you know, like I, I well, at full scale, I just talked to the employees and said, look, we're very well set up to go work mobile, you know, and that is our reality for a little bit. But I'll tell you right now that if you if you go and you shit the bed on this one, just meaning like if you go and say, hey, I'm going to work remote, but then you're not actually doing anything, that's just as bad as just a full stop. Yeah. And, you know, so I think you just have to communicate like what the needs are. And, you know, like our clients have a set of needs and things that they need to keep moving forward. Or maybe they're in a, a state of crisis. There's a t this is no better time than ever to communicate and, and just hear what people have to say, you know, well, like I said, be open and honest and transparent. Well, right now we have to think about every move that we make. Not only is there our personal risk to say the entrepreneur, or the, the owner or the founder or whatever, but the risks to our employees and the risk to our customers, you know, yeah. full, full scale has, you know, 40 customers, 50 customers, whatever the number is, right. Stackify has 1300 customers. So all of our customers are counting on us. And they're counting us to still be in business, right? Even in, in these these yep. times of crisis. So we have to make smart decisions on the behalf of our customers as well that are counting on us. And then, you know, full scale has 190 employees or whatever. We have to make smart decisions that are for the best interest of all of our employees. And I mean, that's that's what makes us difficult. I always look for that triple win, man. You've heard me say it a hundred times. It's got to be a win for the client. It's got to be a win for our employees. And then if that both of those occur, it's a win for the company. And, yeah, and, if, and the, if you're missing, if you're missing some W's and, and your circular life cycle of success at your business, and you need to review that and try to figure out how, when, and where you can, you can get that back on track. Well, and the hard part right now is some of us, some companies are having to make these hard decisions of like, I've got 50 employees, I have to lay off 10 of them or I'm not going to survive. And then it's like, well, are 50 people going to lose their job or 10 people going to lose their job? Yep. I mean, that's the reality that some of us are at right now. As, as I, couldn't agree so. I couldn't agree more. Well, Matt, this was, this was definitely interesting. So hopefully you found some great, great tips and insight about risk management and crisis management. I'm looking forward to uh, soon enough being able to talk about more uplifting things than, than risk and disease. How about you? Yeah, me too. I want to go back right. to uh, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and Baby Yoda. And like, that was a much more fun time. But you, you've mentioned Baby Yoda a lot. So I, I miss I'm, him. He, he might be the next presidential candidate. <laughs> All right. Thank you. See you all next time. Yeah. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.